Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 4 of Gaming by Design. If you don't know what the show is about yet, I suggest that you start by listening to Episode 1 rather than Episode 4. So I'm just going to get straight into it and uh, not to worry too much about the introductions. Uh, Richard, hello. Hello. Um, yeah, so we're very much um, against the clock today because we spent about half an hour trying to get this audio set up to work. What's really weird is we work in a technical industry and we've had difficulties with microphones, sound quality and... Last week it sounded like you'd eaten the microphone. Yeah, I apologise for any listeners who may have had in episode three because, yeah, I did sound like I was, I literally was, I was balls deep in the microphone. You, th- you think for technical-minded people we'd be better at this? Well, today we're rocking the uh, microphone on the chin look like football commentators. It I is, don't know I do how. feel a bit like John Motson, which might be a bit of an obscure reference, I don't know. I can't name any football commentators, so I can't take part in this discussion. Okay, yeah, so hopefully our... Pressing against the time will make us a little bit more succinct, I hope. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so uh, how about you introduce the topic of today's podcast? So this week, uh, rather than talking about learning in games, which we have postponed once again, um, we have decided this week we're going to talk about difficulty. Because sometimes video games are hard. Sometimes they're easy. Sometimes they're somewhere in the middle. So we'll be discussing all aspects of video game difficulty, the different approaches to difficulty, the different attitudes towards difficulty in games, all the things that make difficulty difficult. And I guess the first place where we should really talk about this is um, games. It's very common that when you boot up a game, you are presented with start a new campaign, which difficulty do you want to play? Easy, normal, medium, hard. They all have different uh, terminologies between games. Um, what do you think about this system as it is, this this kind of four, maybe five tier system? Difficulty in games is really interesting. I was thinking about this a lot recently, and it's strange that diff- games even have difficulty at all. Look, looked at it in a certain way. Um, games are the only industry, in, or the only medium in fact, where you would receive this piece of entertainment, and it is considered not unreasonable that you may never see the end of it. So I buy, um, I don't know, Killzone or something, and I play it, but it is too hard for me, and then I never complete it. And I, f- I find that interesting, because um, you would never get that anywhere else. Say, I bought a DVD, you would never have a DVD which kind of, I don't know, stops halfway through and then goes, you lack the requisite intelligence to see the rest of this film. Well, hence, this is why they have difficulties, I guess. I mean, if you... I mean, I, yeah, what you're saying is interesting and there is a lot of discussion behind that but i think it's interesting that games simply even have the ability to be difficult but you could you could play a video game and if you are not good at that video game you never see the end of that game that's kind of the modus operandi of games though is the challenges at the core whereas a film or a book a challenge in interactivity isn't that its center yeah yeah i think we're getting somewhat ahead of ourselves because i think this will come up later when we talk more about where games have come from and where they are now, because difficulty can seem like quite an outdated concept in the world of kind of narrative-led halos and and GTAs and things like that. Um, the idea that you've got this quite hard, big budget kind of almost like filmic experience, and you may not see how it ends because there are too many baddies and they have too many grenades and you can't hide in time. Then you should play it on easy. You should play on easy, but. Um, Sometimes games are too hard and easy. I certainly have that problem. Do you, do you like the design? I always found it weird that, um, especially when I was a less experienced gamer, is that you boot up a game and you or were already presented with this question that was almost impossible to answer if you haven't played a lot of video games. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Um, it's all part of the um, 
kind of there's a there's a lot of a uh, games are games are very incestuous in the sense that there's a lot of things where there's a lot of assumed knowledge. Gamers assume games assume they're talking to other gamers, and it's going to assume yeah you see these difficulties and somehow you'll just know you'll look at the difficulty selection for a game and go I'm I'm a normal gamer I'm normal or I go I'm hardcore I'm I've I've always been hardcore of my games I will definitely be hardcore in this experience and these aren't standards that are set across the whole games either I've been playing Enslaved recently and I played it on hard and that game is really quite difficult for mostly because the combat is a little bit broken in my opinion so you've said um but i i play most games on hard and and the difficulty can really vary i played killzone 3 on hard and didn't find it particularly difficult then at the same time parallel to that i was playing enslaved and found that really difficult yeah i mean like a lot of things in games to be honest uh everything from control schemes to ui get nothing about games is standardized across them um so yeah, one man's easy is another man's hard. One game developer's view of hard is one another video game developer's view of medium. It's um, it's very tricky. So yeah, it can be very odd. I mean, I mean, w- w- I know in a minute we're going to be talking about um different approach difficulty, and certainly one approach that is interesting is just not having difficulty at all, letting difficulty change over the course of a game, because it is o- it is interesting to front load a game with these options when you don't really know what they mean. It's, it, it can be an instant off-putter, and uh, it, it's, it's just an odd way of going about things. And I guess my main issue with them is sometimes the difference between these boundaries are actually changes in gameplay, the AI changes and stuff. Like, I know that you played Uncharted 2 on Easy Saying. I did. And you found the end of that game to be quite tedious because it was just room after room of, of battles. Yeah, I certainly did. But on hard it's a lot more like it requires a lot more tactics because you're in different shaped rooms with different uh it's different things to your advantage and so it becomes less about just battling forward it's more tactical and more thinking about it so between those two difficulty levels there's actually big gameplay changes yeah i mean different games approach difficulty in different ways um sometimes the difference between different difficulties is something as minor as guns do more damage enemies have more health um there are some games like the halo series was always very good at this where at the higher difficulties there are fundamental changes to how the game actually plays out um soldiers that will stand there uh like melons waiting to be killed will on the legendary difficulty roll about do all sorts of cool shit um and it'll be a, a lot of fun. This was done very, very cleverly by Rare. In Perfect Dark, if you played on higher difficulties, you actually got more missions. You had to go out of your way and do more missions. You saw more of the map. And that was really neat. I really like that. That was, you know, if you want to play on easy, you're just kind of going from A to B and you'll meet a few enemies. But if you want to play on hard, you actually have to go out and do more. It felt more realistic as well. It felt like playing on a harder level you were a better class of spy yeah and so it, it's understandable it, it kind of works within the confines the logic the story of the game as well yeah i think it's a really it's a really powerful idea i think it's underused for many obvious reasons mostly because um it's hard it adds a lot to your development time um 
Yeah, because too many games... I mean, the point of difficulty in games, presumably, is to increase the replay value, to increase the longevity of it, uh, because you can play it again and again. But I always find that a bit disingenuous, because gen generally the difference between difficulties is just the gun damage increases. So for me, the kind of game I am, I'm never going to replay something on a higher difficulty because nothing changes. So what Rare came up with is a really, really clever solution to that. Um... Another game that occurs to me that did that very well is the uh, Thief series, a game series I like to bring up as much as possible within this podcast. And the way they approached it was, i say, arguably even better than Rare, because what they did with difficulty is essentially demand that you be a better class of Thief as you play it, on, no on the normal difficulty of Thief, because they had no easy, because Looking Glass didn't do easy mode. On normal, you are allowed to kill people. Uh, you go to hard mode. You are only allowed. You're only allowed to kill um, guards, non-combatants. Non-combatants can't be killed. You play on expert, and essentially, ask be a thief. Nobody can die. So, kind of, not. It's not just that the enemies have more health, or they do. It's that you are supposed to be a better class of thief as you play it. It even. It also adds more objectives. It kind of demands that you get more loot. So. On normal, you only have to worry about the main job, which is stealing the, the golden lantern of blah, blah, blah. But an expert, you need to basically clear this man's house out of every p valuable plate, pot, pan, golden nugget, and not hurt anyone, and get the golden lantern of fugly blub, and then leave. This is quite worrying. I think we've made too many clever points quite early on. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we've hit upon something good straight away. So, to move it on, keeping succinct, um, so... This the, we've been talking about levels of difficulty where you physically have to choose. Yes. Easy, medium, hard, etc. And as we mentioned earlier, there are some games in which it's just a game. There is no difficulty setting. It just plays. Examples of this: uh, the Rockstar games, Grand Theft Auto Four, and previous and all games after. You've never chosen difficulty. The game is just what it is. Yeah, I think I don't think the Rockstar games, and I don't know for certain, I don't think they have any kind of scaling difficulty. I, I think it literally, the game has one difficulty and they stick to it. And Yeah, I think that is the way, yeah. And I guess they've done that because they don't see any need for, for increasing replayer value. I guess because their games are so bloody long. But you're not really going to replay them again with a, I don't know, slightly higher gun damage. But the thing is, as well, is that they are open-world games, so I think yeah. that missions can be attempted from slightly different angles. Possibly. So I you're really... Like, I know in Resident Evil 4, when I played that, there's that boss where you you beat up that little midget man who's a robot. Oh, yes, little Lord Salazar. It's it's quite a difficult boss battle, except I just went and spoke to the Cockney man and bought a rocket launcher. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the same in Grand Theft Auto, and that some missions you could just go in completely told up with mm. some big weapons because you've been kind of earning money to buy these weapons. Yeah, which is fair enough. I think that's all part of the game systems. It's kind of if you took the time to do side shit to get you enough money to buy that rocket launcher, then that's fine. Because yeah, um, and yeah, I guess that may be part of it. Um, I've never really known why Rockstar don't do difficulty. I guess they just don't see any value of it, um, given how much else their games offer. The ability to play it all over again, but harder, just, I guess, that shows no appeal for them. Especially if they do that thing where the hardest difficulty is locked until you've completed the game. Yeah, but I think this is bullshit, though, isn't it? Um, that is completely not a bullshit. Well, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, as a designer, I can see the, the logic behind locking a difficulty. There's obviously the sense of, I want to increase the replay value of my game. I want to give elite players some sort of target, and that target would be 
the legendary mode or the elite mode or the realistic mode or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I have I tend to have very fundamental issues with games locking content out to me anyway. Um, I think it was a the a com- weirdly, the comedian uh, Dara O'Brien who did a really good sketch about games where he talks about how unusual it would be that you buy you buy your game for forty quid and certain content is locked for you. He buys a Guitar Hero game expressly for one song that is mentioned on the back of the box, and then he is unable to access this for about ten hours. Um, yeah, I mean, I've sat in user testing that we've done here and someone's been like why is this song locked and the person that she was with he said well that's just what happens in games and she could not understand why content was locked she wasn't a very big game player and that guy was so used to the language of games that he just accepted that his content was locked which is in this day and age bullshit yeah i think it's weird the amount of things that you'll accept because you're a gamer things that don't make any sense again it's for me it's the whole kind of film book thing where um, I don't know. I have I have a book, and the, the the seventh and eighth chapters are physically glued together until you've obtained a sufficient level of understanding of the earlier parts of the novel. Um, and now you can't really get cheat codes in games because there's achievements and trophies, and so you don't really get cheats in games anymore. No, I I do. Uh, I bemoan the end of the days of cheats. I I wish someone would release just for fun a game genie for my Xbox. That would be great. Um, anyway, it doesn't o- even have to do anything. <laughs> off topic. I'm sorry. So we were talking about the the flat dif- difficulties where there's you don't really choose, and Nintendo have taken this to the extreme. And In what way? Decided that games are sometimes so hard that they will play themselves, and I'm sort of being uh, astute with my words there, because in what is the name of the new Wii game? Super Mario Brothers Wii. Is that it? Yes. So that is a game where I think if you die seven or eight times in a row at a certain point, you can pick up a, a big coin or something, and then the game will autopilot. Yeah. Do you know about this? Yeah, yeah, I've heard about this. Um, so that is a way that they're, I mean, it's kind of playing into what we said earlier, that content really shouldn't be locked. And they're, they're saying that, you know, if you find it difficult, we'll help yeah. you get past this and unlock the content. Um, do, you think that's the, do you think that's the best way to go about it, to um, help people get past difficulty spikes yeah it's interesting it's a i i've noticed this more and more increasingly over the last few years it's a problem that a lot of game designers are finding themselves having to face is that they want their game to um reach new markets um and essentially try to keep these kind of hardcore sensibilities while also being more open to casual people and yeah there's different solutions nintendo's solution is yeah you are sufficiently shit so we'll play this for you solution um there's more elegant ways um I was playing Fable 3 at the moment. Um, not a game I like by any stretch of imagination. But I was always weirdly, um, not necessarily impressed, but surprised at the level of ballsiness that in Fable you can't die. In Fable, if you run out of health, you fall over. You then just get up in an explosion of light. Everyone around you dies and you carry on playing. Uh, the only consequence being a loss of experience points and scars on your body, which never heal. So the same system as Fable 2, which I have played. Yeah, so they, they don't change much between Fable 2 and 3. And they have the breadcrumb t- trail as well, constantly. They do, yes. Always showing you where to go, which, you know, this is a system that's been in place. I mean, I remember it. In, it's in Ocarina of Time in, in some small way. It is, yes. Um, and I played Fable 2, never really leaving the trail. Yeah, the trail is a different, is an odd thing because... <sighs> I, I, 
it works for me. Different players look at games in different ways, so psychologically it's something that can only get some people some at a time, because I see the trail as a suggestion of where to go, and I've appreciated its presence, but I found it easy to just ignore it. In fact, the existence of a trail helped me to easily identify where would be the cool places to investigate which aren't on the trail. Some gamers though see that trail, and they see that as a, an explicit instruction of you go here now. They never vary from it, and for them, it almost stops being an open world game. I'm one of those people, I never left the trail, and I'm quite glad because it got me through the game as quick as possible. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, us not liking Fable is kind of slightly beside the point of yeah. this discussion. Don't listen to our opinion if you do like Fable. This um, is just ours. One more point about this is um, an approach I found really interesting um, was in Alone in the Dark. Um, now, I don't know if you remember the, the modern modern day reboot of Alone in the Dark. I remember the yeah. modern day reboot, yeah. I didn't play it, but I saw plenty of other people um, play it. Now, I mean, Alone in the Dark is interesting because it's an extraordinarily poor game. Um, it is annoying beyond the ability for me to really express using human words. Um, but what it does is very, very interesting, is it looks at itself a bit like uh, Alan Wake did, as a kind of TV series box set. You'll complete each chapter, then it will go previously on Alone in the Dark and give you a series of cutscenes of you beating monsters to he heads to death because that's all that happened previously. Um, but they, uh, they take this... Uh, this concept a lot further than Alan Wake. Alan Wake, this was just a kind of window dressing. In Alone in the Dark, you actually have a TV series interface that allows you to skip forward through each episode if you've done a sufficient amount of it. So in any episode, once you've done about a quarter of it, you gain the ability to basically skip up to the end of it. Uh, and you names each section of the gameplay. So I found that in Alone in the Dark, there was one section which I had to fight thousands of small scurrying animals, um, which was awful. And I was very pleased to see that from the pause menu, I could actually just click time ahead and skip it. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting solution to it. And I don't think it did enough with the consequences of it, because you can do it pretty much scot-free, and the only consequence is, I guess, a mild feeling of shame. But yeah, I, thought, I thought it was very interesting, because I, I, I'm very interested in seeing how developers kind of approach this thing of getting around difficulty. It is quite neat, yeah, and you always have to balance kind of you know, the, the player's enjoyment, as you say, there is a sense of shame sometimes. Um, yeah. Now, a way that um, game developers have done this is adaptive difficulty, whereby you don't choose a difficulty, you play the game, and then the game sort of learns how you play. I'm kind of giving it too much credit there. But it kind of adapts the difficulty around the player's skill. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, I, I didn't have much time to prepare for this episode, in fact, about 10 minutes. So... Um, only two obvious examples sprang to mind. Um, so I don't know how much, uh, I guess, how much I can support the idea of adaptive difficulty if I was offering it as advice to another designer. Um, Max Payne uh, uses it. Um, in Max Payne, you, even you, I do believe you also select difficulty, oddly. Um, the, the game is supposed to tweak that difficulty over time so that yeah, you always remain in this sweet spot of gaming goodness. If things are getting a bit too hard, um, for you, you keep dying, then it makes things slightly easier. And it seemed to work well in Max Payne. I mean, I wasn't even really consciously aware of it. So that was good. Um, I think, though, something that occurs to me that makes me a little bit less certain about this idea is a few years ago I was playing a game called Sin Episodes. Now, Sin Episodes is a really um, strangely interesting forgotten FPS. It was a kind of FP an FPS game designed by Nuts Magazine. It was like... Um, tits and boobs and women leaning seductively over cars with their asses out. Where can I get this game? Um, you can get it off Steam, I believe. Um, okay. it, was, it was planned as a series of nine downloadable episodes. Um, they got cancelled after the first one, so 
We'll uh, n- we'll never know what what I'm um, no doubt lesbian kissing um, extravaganzas were, were in their minds for the future. Was this made by David Cage? It wasn't made by David Cage. No, um, this is a totally different brand of chauvinism. Um, but no, uh, anyway, tits and boobs aside, very rarely aside in sin episodes. Um, it also makes use of an uh, adaptive difficulty. So, yeah, the difficulty scales as you play it. But uh, interesting thing that I remember about it is my, seeing my brother play it. Now, so what scene episode did is that when you died, it uses deaths as a way to indicate that you are getting, you are finding it too hard. So, obviously, you die X amount of times. Let's make the enemies easier. You don't die for X amount of time. You're clearly finding it too easy. Let's m- ramp things up. Now, what was interesting about this from a design perspective is it was a fundamental misunderstanding of how PC gamers play games. PC gamers rarely allow themselves to die. If you're in a gunfight and you're getting below like 20 health, you just press F7 and quick load and you do it again. What this meant to see an episode is it believed my brother had never ever died in some episodes because he kept loading. So by the final level, I and I had just finished this game and I got to a car chase section where I remember you kind of hanging out the bonnet of back of a car, kind of shooting some guys with pistols in this quite cool section. My brother gets this same level and what he was doing was fighting these giant armoured men firing rock- infinite ammo rocket launchers into the side of his car. That seems slightly different. And he was playing it, going increasingly frustrated, thinking, this is fucking impossible. Everyone in this game has a rocket launcher now. Why has this suddenly started happening? And it was because he kept loading, and the game thought that he was not dying. So it ramped up the difficulty to this absurd point where he stormed his enemy headquarters at the end, and everyone has a rocket launcher with a flamethrower attached to it. And, yeah, the game became increasingly frustrating as a result. This is a good segue, because now... Difficulty, extreme difficulties you're talking talking about has become a selling point for games. Well, so yeah, it has. Like if I mention Super Meat Boy, it has sold itself on its hard corners, its its insane difficulty, and people are lapping it up. People love that. They love the challenge. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I played Super Meat Boy, and I felt I was unable to finish it because it was too difficult. So, um, I guess make what you will of that. Um, yeah, I, I guess that. Games have kind of changed a lot over you know, over time. Um, there's a mo- kind of a move away from these kind of more Twitch gaming arcade experiences. Games in general are more about these kind of filmic, narrative-led, kind of anyone, including your granny, should be able to play it, understand it, complete it, because everything's hand-holding, and that's great. Um, so I think there's a kind of desire for games that bring a bit of that back. And Super Meat Boy is definitely... I mean, everything from, the, everything from its difficulties, the way it's ex- presented visually, is an homage to old-school arcade games. It's only, yeah, and games back then were... I mean, I grew up playing Commodore 64 and Amiga games, and, I mean, I'm, I was exposed to difficulty from the start. Yeah. And I, I, I don't mind this, but games back then were punishingly unfair. Yeah, and again, it's one of those things where, I guess because games were young and it was still trying to find its feet, and the players alongside it were... Yeah, they they weren't. They had no better idea of what it is that they expected. Yeah, but so people loved it and still speak about it fondly. They, I mean, this extreme difficulty is uh, s- things that people seek out and still do to this day. There's a degree of nostalgia behind it. I think. I mean, if you asked most, pi- a lot of gamers, oh, I wish do they want games to be more old school? They might go, Yeah, I would. But, but then you think, Okay, so you want a game where there is no checkpointing and saving? You have to play the entire game in one go. Is that genuinely what you want? They go. No, not so much, really. Yeah, like, uh, like uh, I, I sometimes whip out my old Sega Mega Drive games, yep. and the inability to save is absurdly frustrating. 
Yeah, um, I remember the very first video game I ever played, in fact, um, weirdly, is a game on the movie called Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Excellent game. And it's, I think it's a terrible game because my recollection of it is that you could you played all the different planeteers, eventually ending up playing as Captain Planet, but I never saw this. Um, you could get hit twice in the entire game. Yeah, I know. I only ever got to level two. Yeah, and you have to play the entire game in one go. I got to level three because you get to be um, the African kid that nobody likes, the one that can has the heart power. Which does nothing in the cartoon. I don't know. I never and you, saw and it. And you got to be his level where you fire your, your heart rings, which makes plants grow and you can climb them. It was the very definition of girly. Um, and yeah, and I and I had managed to go for about five, six solid hours of gaming without getting hit twice. I got hit twice. Stood up, stared at my Amiga in blank eight-year-old's confusion. Um, turn it off and never touch that game ever again. This is This is slightly different though. This is games being difficult because they're actually just a little bit badly implemented. Um, and I can think of uh, modern day examples. So if I take a game that I've been playing and been causing immense frustration to me recently, oh, really, Little Big Planet and Little Big Planet Two, the controls don't work and it just angers me. This this three dimensional three plane system where you try and jump on a platform and it suddenly decides that you want to be on an entirely different plane. Normally, the plane that has some fire or some deadly gas on annoys <laughs> me so much. I'm just trying to jump up onto a platform. And it's like, oh, are you trying to do this? And that is a game that is very very difficult but for reasons entirely different from what we've mentioned before. It's difficult because the controls are broken. Well, I guess games being difficult because they're rubbish. I'm not for a second going to agree with that LBP is rubbish, though I certainly share some of your opinions about aspects of its control scheme. Um, but it games It's difficult, though. Yes, it is difficult, but games being difficult because certain aspects have been badly made is kind of a whole different thing. I mean, that's like Resident Evil games where they were difficult because you could not run up a set flight of stairs without first pressing X at the bottom of that flight of stairs. Or Resident Evil games are difficult because you'd have to shoot enemies that were coming towards you, but the camera was facing in such a way that you could not see what was in front of you. Similar to the Operation Flashpoint games, where, I mean, they are difficult anyway, but the controls are also make it even more difficult when you're trying to issue commands to your troops. Oh well. It's got that radial control where you press up, then it, it brings up a new radial display and you have to press a different direction. Oh, well, because I think op- what you're referring to is Operation Flashpoint Dragon Rising, the, uh, I guess, sequel slash series reboot from a few years ago. Yes. Is uh, it not the same in the original? No, the original Operation Flashpoint is, um, in fact, the game I was going to come to as very much examples of how this ultra difficulty, this kind of su- super meat boyishness, could is actually can be really a great gaming tool, very powerful. Um, Operation Flashpoint is incredibly hard. Um, you can get a shot once by one bullet and you die straight away. And this is good because it's ultra realistic. It is about being a real soldier. And this being there not only enhances that feeling of realism, but makes you behave like a soldier. And and why that works is because it gives you the tools, the abilities to behave like a soldier. What when gaming difficulty doesn't work is because something is incredibly difficult, but there's nothing that you can fairly do about it. Operation Flashpoint never really does that. You, are, you can be shot in the head with one bullet from a man two miles away, but weirdly, it's, it's no more unfair than real war is unfair. You have the ability to hide in the grass, use your soldiers, use tactics, use the huge expanse of a massive map to get around them. And that means that... Here, extreme difficulty is being used to enhance that experience. Um, 
The other example I think that's worth mentioning because it's very much current, it's very vogue, is Demon's Souls. Demon's Souls doesn't work for a lot of people. It certainly um, is a game that's low on high octane thrills. It pretty much gives you this, you are, a man in f you are a man in the third person walking forward hitting things, just do that. What makes it so great a game, or so memorable a game recently, is that it is extremely, unbelievably difficult. But it really works for it, and it really works for it again because... Um, it's, it's, it's enhancing what is the main point of the game. It's, it's that constant fear of death that Demon's Souls has. And, all, and everything about Demon's Souls is a kind of constant risk-reward um, decision that you're making. Every second that you push further into these dark dungeons of Demon's Souls, you're increasing this, uh, this reward you'll get, as in souls. But if you die, you lose every soul that you've gathered in this dungeon. And the difficulty of that really increases that feeling. If Demon's Souls was easy, then you would never you would never have that problem. You would always just push it to the limit, knowing that there was a safety blanket of quick loading that would save you. Um, we, we touched a bit on arcade games and then how games, they, they kind of became more standard, standardized and more open to the, the mainstream and then maybe the difficulty got dumbed down. Yeah. And now we're having this mini resurgence of form where difficulty is, is, is kind of admired. So do you think that the attitude to difficulty is is kind of changing or do you think it's it's been constant and th there's always been this high difficulty there or do you think it's going in waves? I think um, I think the attitude to, attitudes to difficulty in games have certainly changed a lot. I think what's always been most telling for me is my experience as a child playing point-and-click adventure games. Uh, because when I was young, I played Monkey Island 2, The Chuck's Revenge, and it's a great game. But in that game, there were puzzles I could not do. And that meant for months, I would never progress in that game. I could only progress in that game if one of two things happened. A, a meager action magazine printed a guide to the entire game. B, someone happened to write into a meager action's letter page with the exact problem that I was having, thus giving me the answer. And nothing in Or C, a little holographic man appeared on Games Master and asked a massive Patrick Yeah, Yeah, yeah and, and you know, how, how many times I, I would watch Games Master hoping that Patrick Moore would go, yes, Luke, what you have to do is use the wrench on the pump. And yeah, it was interesting because I was totally happy for the games I was playing to not progress for months on end. Um, even worse, you would get things like the old Sierra games. Uh, so like the, uh, the fry stand Roberta Williams, and she would put in many of her games, like King's Quest and Space Quests, where you would be in a room, and in any one room, there are about 20 ways to get yourself randomly killed. Don't eat the pie. In what scenario? King's Quest. Which King's Quest? Do you remember this? I don't know King's King Quest 4? This is a popular internet thing to read. Uh, if I remember this correctly, King's Quest 4, near the start of the game, there was a pie. Okay. And you could eat the pie or keep it. And at the very end of the game, I guess about 60 hours later, it's like, where's the pie? And you're like, fuck, I ate it. And then if you've eaten it, it's game over. That is the most disgusting thing you I've heard in my life. The game. I think that is right. I should Google this and then redub myself to telling the right course, version yeah, of this yeah. anecdote. But yeah, um, I, th I thought you might have read that. That's famous. I've read that a few times. No, I know playing King's Quest. Well, my first experience of the King's Quest series is, is the sixth installment, which... And I remember even though I was about 12 at the time, finding this shocking. 
it has a sec it has um a thing where you unlock new islands to explore as the game progresses. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, new islands, new places to look at. There is one island where it unlocks it, it makes a big fan fave, unlocked new location, you go there and you instantly die. The game you need five specific items when you arrive on the first screen of that island in order to not die. You have no way of knowing which of those five items are before you visited and died there five times. Um and I was young then, and I had no real particular desire to be a game designer. But even then, I could see that and think, what? Really? I mean, really, really? It's almost... Well, this is this is something that comes up a lot. It's almost like <coughs> extreme difficulty can mask or reflect. Uh, it can mask bad design. And extreme difficulty can sometimes like shadow is good design, which is completely wrong, where it's like, this is really punishingly difficult. It must be a good game. I think you can get that sometimes. Um, I certainly think that there are occasional very, very hardcore like Japanese shooter games where I don't think any aspect of them is particularly well designed, but they get a kind of internet following simply because they spam the shit out of you with bullets. And this is somehow considered to be, oh, this is classic arcade gameplay. This is bringing me back. I mean, really, you're just a little ship that's having the shit spammed out of it. This isn't fun at all. Maybe now's a good time to think about how... I mean, we've talked a lot about difficulty and how it is currently and in the past, how it how it's already been done. So following on from last week's successful design on our feet, how do you think... And I always ask you this question because you're the designer. Yes. How do you think the difficulty should be improved or developed? Where do you think that this should go? Um, I mean, you told me about this... Um, this thing about you know ten minutes before we started, so um, I feel that this is going to be a lot less successful than last week. Um, it's also a very open question. I don't think that like difficulty is a problem you solve. I think that you can look at difficulty is done well, difficulty is done bad. Why is it that it's something that sort of adds up to the same thing? It's the player dying again and again and again and being unable to progress. But that can be done well and that can be done badly. Do you think so it's a bad thing if a player dies in a game? I've, I'm kind of two minds about this. I was very much for a very long time on the side that, yes, games are entertainment, they're your spare time, and the fact that you can fail at your entertainment is, to me, to me of the past, totally abhorrent. I've kind of changed a bit about it now, because I can see, after playing certain things like Demon's Souls, there's some certain games where the difficulty can really enhance the experience. So I think what I, ca what I can do for you is at least look at how... I think extreme difficulty can be done badly. And um, I think this is just a couple of examples based on uh, games I've played recently. What conclusion I came to is that what makes games dif hard difficulty in games a bad thing is when that difficulty is unfair. To me, the main thing that game difficulty should be such that a player can die a lot in a game, and it's not necessarily a problem that the game is hard and that the player dies a lot, but they must always feel that those deaths are fair, that they aren't dying as a result of random gameplay stupidity or the rules of that game changing. Um, so, for example, in the game, an example of a game I think does this quite badly recently is uh, Killzone 3, where I always get the impression playing Killzone 3 that its difficulty comes from the fact that it is weighted against the player. To me, it feels like an unfair game. Um, obvious, slightly silly examples. If I throw a grenade in Killzone 3, the Kelgarn, because the AI has been made so good, will, with uncanny accuracy, leap out of the way of that grenade almost 100% of the time. They throw a grenade, it will land on your head, directly on your head, and your ability to react to that is so limited that you will just die. Um, they're, they're encouraging you to play 
not within cover, I guess. I I, I spoke I speak to you about this off, off the podcast, and I said that they should take cover out of that game because they okay. actively discourage it, and it's never that beneficial to be in cover. I I, I always I, I sometimes wonder why it's there. Okay, that maybe that's that's well, no, that's not really a particularly. But it, yeah, they're heavily weighted against you, but it changes your way of playing. They they're getting you to mix it up, kind of play your own way. Yeah, but I feel that I have no trust in the game systems and that all of the game systems are designed against me. Like the cover system, f- when I play it, the Hellgast can use cover with uncanny, shocking, beautiful accuracy. They're like graceful like swans getting in and out of that cover. I try to use cover and I press L2 against any flat surface. I literally have no idea if that's going to be cover or if I'm just going to crouch. Um Equally, I can be in cover, but I can still have a shit shot out of me. It feels like that they've got this core gameplay pillar, which is this kind of cover, peeking over cover fighting, but then every single game system they've added on top of that is trying to undermine that. Okay. That's a kind of example of that unfair difficulty for me. So, gameplay shouldn't be... The game shouldn't be wait, weighted against the player. It Should should it be weighted against the enemy, the, the computer? Well, it's interesting, because in a lot of games, in the kind of... In a kind of play and forget kind of disposable action games. I think we spend a lot of our time talking about in these podcasts. I would say yes. I think your average Gears of War or Uncharted, I think that definitely you're kind of talking about that kind of disposable fun where you really want things to be in my favour. I want Nathan Drake to be much more agile and much cooler than enemies. I want to throw a grenade at an enemy in Uncharted and I want to see the enemies jump on top of a grenade and die because I want cool shit to be constantly happening. And equally, when I want an enemy throws a grenade at me in Uncharted, I want that grenade to bounce hilarious off the wall and kill enemies anyway. It's true. I'm, I'm playing Homefront at the moment, and oh dear, um, <laughs> you get you know the the classic Call of Duty thing where you get shot and jam appears in front of your eyes. I love that jam. Um, that happens so quickly in Homefront that I pop up from behind cover, throw a grenade, and I don't even get the payoff of seeing bodies go flying because yeah, yeah, I yeah. instantly have to crouch, go prone. And uh, I just hear the explosion from behind a wall and go, oh. Yeah, and I think that's what's important to think about difficulty in games. Because while it's fine for a game to be difficult, never forget what a game is there for. I think, in general, a video game is there to make, if not empower the player, because I know it's more complicated than that, as we discussed last week, they at least should feel that they have a coolest kid in the room. Um, and I think Homefront, yeah, basically forcing you to be such a coward because you die so quickly means that you don't see half the course that is happening. Certainly, I'm not aware of half the content of Modern Warfare 2 because I sent most of it with jam on my face. Delicious, delicious raspberry jam. So I don't really know what was happening. So um, I'd like to make a point about extreme difficulty. Have you ever seen these videos on YouTube of like people who have hacked like Mario SNES ROMs? And I have, yes. And they've yeah. made their own levels with such extreme unfairness. So they yeah. kind of have like they have a jump over spikes and then you jump up and you hit an invisible block and then fall into yeah, the spikes yeah. and things like this. They're great. I, I forgot what they're called. They're called like uh, Evil Mario or Badass Mario or yeah. something like that. They are great and you, you you kind of watch them and the guy playing them is amazing and you kind of... the the absurdly difficult but there is a joy in them. There's, it's kind of really solid and really satisfying. Yeah, I think... Well... Partially, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of those, yeah, whatever they were called, Mario things, where there's a degree of insane difficulty, but it's all about precision. And okay, aside from maybe the Invisible Blocks example, they do remind me of Super Meat Boy, where Super Meat Boy is extremely hard, but there's nothing unfair about Super Meat Boy. 
It yeah. simply requires you to ha- to be incredibly precise. Whenever you die in Super Meat Boy, it is invariably your fault. It's not like, I don't know, they suddenly change the rules of a platforming halfway through platforming. Yeah, and I think it's very important with these games that they're, they're very short. Like, the, the playtime for a level should maybe be less than a minute so that if you fail a lot, you're instantly back in the action and you don't have to go too far to get back in. Like, I mean, Super Meat Boy does this, Super Monkey Ball does this. It does, yeah. Same kind of thing where it's 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 difficult, you fall off and then you're like, well, it doesn't matter, I'm hitting it and I can just do it one more time. Yeah. it's, ve- it's I think that's very important. If you're going to have extreme difficulty, it's, it's got to be very quick. Um, Yeah, yeah. do you have it? You, you take it away. You have more points. Um, Well, I think... Well, I think probably more back to this fairness thing. Um, so yeah, like uh, like we've been saying, um, Demon Souls works for me because that difficulty is very fair. Um, when you when you die, it's always your fault. Almost always your fault. There are some exceptions, but it's because you've been going too quickly. You've not been treating. This is a strange thing to say. The game with the due respect it deserves. You rush around the corner once in Demon Souls. The game will kill you stone dead. It will not even blink doing it. Because you should have cut your shield up, edged forward, checked your corners. And you die, and it's frustrating that you die. But there's fairness there. And that's, I think, the most important thing to always keep in mind when you're designing extreme difficulty into your game. Which kind of brings on to the, probably the last point I have to make, which is um, about Dragon Age 2, which I'm playing at the moment. Have you experienced any of the Dragon Age games, Carl? Um, I have not. Oh, well, you're, I'd like to say you're missing out on something important, but not really. I mean... They're okay. Um, but what occurred to me inter- recently about Dragon Age 2 is that I find Dragon Age 2 quite hard because I'm trying to play on a higher difficulty mode because I want to take advantage of those RPG tactics. I want to use my spells. I want to pause the game and set my orders and all that crazy shit. Um, but what it fell down to for me is, is this issue of fairness once again because what they did in Dragon Age 2, which they didn't do in the original Dragon Age, is that there is respawning of enemies, which means that in an RPG, which is about you being a presented of a situation there's a room there's five mages five guards and an archer think i've got to get my you know i've got to quickly lock down the mage get a guy on that archer to pin him down and so on and so forth this entirely falls apart where after you've killed those people x amount of extra waves of those same people might appear and you have no idea no way of knowing how many waves of these people are going to come so immediately, immediately the idea of an rpg which is about balancing your resource out falls apart because you have no idea how any one battle might go on for so this is a problem where you know if you put randomness into your game design then it, it, it becomes unfair. Well, yeah, and so you can't play the game in any any fair, logical way. Yeah, randomness, randomly changing the rules. I mean, Demon Souls would not work if you are fighting a guy in a room, like one of, because one of them on combat Demon Souls is hard. You're fighting one guy, and then another guy just spawns directly behind you and stabs you. I mean, that would be absurd. Yeah, that does suck. Um, have you been following um, Chris Hecker, who's creating a game called Sp- uh, Spy Party? I have, yes. He's, do you ever read his blog? I do, yes. Because he's kind of coming through this in a multiplayer, uh, uh, asymmetrical multiplayer. Like, So uh, just to quickly bring you to speed, there's a party and one player plays a spy at the party trying to do these tasks and another person plays a sniper on the outside of the party who's trying to spot which one is the human player against all the AI characters. And he's coming against... I guess it's more game balancing, the difficulty, but he's currently going through these kind of uh, design phase of, of difficulty and how you can kind of make, make things fair. Okay, sure. 
Um, I don't, I, I can't, I don't, I don't really want to talk about it because it's kind of off topic. But uh, I think that if you're interested in this, you should definitely go read his blog at um, google.com forward slash search for Chris Hecker. Very clever. <laughs> Thank Very you. Very clever. Um, maybe I should just do a quick summary then before we go of um, how we think. Yes, why not? Of how we think, well, how, how we think things can be improved is uh, make it fun. Yes. Always in the player's favor. Make it fair. Yep. Yep. If you're going to go for extreme difficulty, you should make it succinct, tight. Uh, kind of if it's a, if you if if you fail, it's your own fault. Definitely. Uh, and make the gameplay short in that example. Um, and don't add randomness into your design. Randomness is generally a bad thing in all aspects of life. Um, but I guess difficulty isn't really going to change. No, I think like every topic we've discussed over the last uh, few weeks, there's no one answer to it. Um, no aspect of game design has a right or wrong answer. Um, nothing, there's nothing wrong with the game being hard, but there are approaches to difficulty that makes it more bearable for the player. Um, so yeah, um, there's a lot of different ways of looking at it, and I think we talked about some of them, and now we can all go home as better people. And that's why we pick our subjects for our podcast, because there are no right or wrong answers. Basically, we're just trying to get you to think about these things for yourselves. If you want to email us, you can do it at gamingbydesign at gmail.com. If you want to check out our blog, you can go to gamingbydesign.blogspot.com. And we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening.